J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. And this is the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. And guess what? 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 This is episode 10. Yes! We made it! They said we couldn't. But, and, well, and I don't know who. I don't know who these people are. <clears throat> haters going to hate, though. We are assuming they're right. haters. Shake it off. Is it safe Shake to say it. when you reach 10 that this whole thing is lit? It's lit. It as, is lit. As the as, kids say. As they say, it is Fire. It is well lighted. That's well that's much ado. That's that is right. much ado. Here we go, and we're back. <laughs> so today's interview is is with Mark Ostriker, who works for the youth cartel. Owns the youth cartel. Owns the youth yes, cartel. He's even. the founder. Now the youth cartel publishes more youth ministry books than any other publisher out right now. Yeah. Is mm. that correct? Right? It is. It's it's a great organization. I say that because they published my book. <laughs> I'm very biased. Uh-huh. Whoops. Now, as a heads up, there is at one point in this interview a part where the there's an airplane that just flies over. Yep. So yeah. we roll with it. Airplanes yeah. happen. Airplanes happen. Mm, hashtag. Um, there are a few important things to pay attention to coming up, though. Do you guys have anything you want to put on people's radar? Yeah, so I especially love this talk, number one, because the guy's a hoot. Yeah, he's just hilarious. He's hilarious, absolutely. And you got to look up his picture because you want to picture him speaking while you're listening. I guarantee it's Mm -hmm. worth your while. Mm -hmm. But he is one of those minds that's thinking outside the box Mm -hmm. and not okay with just entertainment culture for youth ministry. And he has a lot of poignant things to say to really make you ask yourself, am mm. I just entertaining kids? Am I just doing things right. as I've yeah. always done? Or am I willing to flip the script and really contextualize what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. He has a surprisingly executive mind, mm. uh, which is mm-hmm. something that I love because uh, youth directors are not known for this. And yet he also is able to be the wacky, silly guy. And yet he's, right. you know, he's a leader in youth ministry. He's... Uh, uh, on top of that, I, I actually just, I love his story. I really do. I love the fact that like he's been all over the place and he w- he was the president of Youth Specialties. Mm-hmm. And then he just decided that Youth Cartel had to start. And they love new voices. Youth Cartel could probably be bigger, but they choose not to be. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I really love that. Uh, and the youthcartel.com, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's my, I, I love Marco. I, he just always has good things to say. Yeah. If you have, uh, the chance, this is an episode that is worth taking notes on. Yes. Uh, we haven't actually said that before. So mm-hmm. on, on the, it took us 10 episodes. Well, he drops takes a some lot notes. of really good wisdom. He here. really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like he, he says it in a very executive way. Mm-hmm. He that's says true. it and then he says, and let me just unpack that. He actually says that line and then... <laughs> He kind of, and he really does. Uh, I know that some of the stuff he even says he gets from like Seth Godin and stuff like that. So uh, he takes things that are not necessarily ministry related and he realizes, mm-hmm. actually, this has everything to do with youth ministry, which is a beautiful thing. So his name is Mark Ostriker. He goes by Marco for short. Yes. And here is the interview, all right? Without further racket, let's dive in. What kind of racket are you kids running here? Oh, man. 
Uh, today, we have the pleasure of having Mark Ostriker on the podcast with us, uh, also maybe known better as Marco. Uh, and so, Marco, welcome to the J3 Podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Awesome to have you here. Uh, Marco, you are... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to word this very carefully. I feel like I feel like people might say that a lot to you. I'm going to word this carefully. Word this carefully like I'm Putin or something. <laughs> yes. Um, there are the people that are considered like the godfathers of youth ministry. Yacinelli, Kegler, Duffy Robbins, things like that. But that's that's not your generation, really. That's kind of yeah, you're, uh, older than you. Right, I'm so a you're, generation under You're more that. like the godbrother, the stepbrother of youth ministry, is that? I'm, I'm the bastard son of the godfather generation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I uh, there's no question. I kind of sat at the feet of a lot of those guys when I was a young youth worker. I remember the first youth ministry training event I ever went to was at a church that I subsequently went on staff as the junior high pastor, but I was a volunteer at the time, and the youth specialties kind of one-day seminar came through, and it was taught by Wayne Rice and Mike Iaconelli. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I, I remember that really clearly. Of course, spent a lot of time with a lot of that generation in my years at youth specialties. But man, we're all getting older. I'm 54 now, so it's not going to be long before I'm part of the oldest generation of youth workers. <laughs> I would imagine you didn't always plan on doing youth ministry. What was the original plan? What'd you go to college for? Well, I went to college for youth ministry. So, yeah, I was um, thinking engineering until a senior in high, as a senior in high school, just had some people really speak into my life, and it became clear. I guess you could call it calling, but uh, it wasn't calling like, you know, in a cave somewhere. It was more people speaking into my life. And I ended up going to Wheaton College because that's where my youth pastor had gone. So, yeah, no, it. I mean, since the time I was about 17 years old, that's been the plan. What what I didn't see early on was my calling to junior high ministry, which has been a very clear lifelong thing now. But I interned at my home church and they had me mostly work with junior high because I was so young. Mm-hmm. But it was really at the first church in Wheaton where I went to volunteer my wife and I, she and I went and they just needed more help in junior high than they did in high school. So we went there and I just fell in love with it. And then they ended up hiring me as their junior high pastor. Yeah, that was, you know, 30 years ago or something. And I worked in four different churches as a junior high pastor. And then often had other roles on top of that, like overseeing Mm -hmm. all of youth ministries or something. And then in 1998, so a long time ago now, I moved down to San Diego to work at youth specialty. And I spent 11 years there, most of those as the president. And then in 2009, there was a big change in youth specialties. That company got sold and I lost my job and I started the youth cartel. And so that's what I'm doing these days is uh, leading the youth cartel with uh, my ministry partner, Adam McLean. And I've been for these years that I've been in San Diego now, 19 years, I've been a volunteer in the junior high ministry at my church. Uh, And I lead right now, well, I guess they're eighth grade guys. We just finished our small group year. And yeah, it's really important to me that I stay connected to real teenagers. One of the frustrations I've sometimes had with some of those godfathers is Mm -hmm. that some of them lose 
lose contact with real teenagers and are mm-hmm. only kind of reflecting on their experiences from 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I just don't want to be that guy. So it's always been important to me to stay connected to real real teenagers in real time. So, and also, now, are you from uh, the Wheaton area? Is that is that near where you grew up or whereabouts? Uh, I'm from Detroit. Uh, and all my family and my wife's family, they're all there. Yep. We just slowly moved west. Yeah, yeah, just migrated out west slowly. So the only thing you haven't done is complete east coast. Correct. You've pretty much taken over the, the rest of the country. Yeah, but, I don't know uh, about taking over, but yes, I, yeah. I did slowly drift west. It was Chicago and then Omaha, Nebraska, and then I made the jump to Orange County, California, and then Pasadena, which was still slightly west. Uh, and then probably the only easterly move I made was from Pasadena to San Diego, which is basically south, but a little tiny bit east. <laughs> That's right. It counts. Still counts. In one of the churches you served, didn't you serve like a really high role, like like executive pastor or something like that? Yeah, I did. It was actually the last church I was employed at, Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, California. I started as the junior high pastor, and then it was a church going through lots of change. It was a hmm. big church, about 6,000 people on a weekend. I became student ministries and junior high and then the associate of education and discipleship, which meant I, it was kind of like family ministries, but it also included adult Sunday school. And I was still student ministries and junior high. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. I, I had an annual lunch with the senior pastor on the anniversary of my hire date. He did that with the whole staff of the church. And he asked me at one of those, you know, what do you want to do someday? And I told him, well, I'm a youth ministry guy, but I'd love one day to be your executive pastor. I really respected this senior pastor. And a year later, he came to me and said, okay, it's time. It was pretty trippy. I was 33 years old. I had bleach blonde hair. I was just still really a young buck in lots of ways, right? And I was suddenly put in this role where I was the head of ministry, the head of staff for the church. There were five associates who reported to me, and they were all over 50, and one of them was the previous executive pastor who'd been in that role for 20 years. He stepped down uh, very graciously to one of the associate positions. I remember the elder board of that church just thought the senior pastor was crazy to put me in that role. Yeah. <laughs> it was a learning curve for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't exchange that for anything. I learned a lot, but one of the things that was clarifying was that I just did not have bandwidth to be doing youth ministry that year because that job was so all-encompassing, and I just saw how much I missed youth ministry. And so I only did that executive pastor job for one year, and that's then when I accepted uh, the job that was being offered to me down at Youth Specialties after that. Yeah. That's cool. Marco, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. And is there something that's that's on your heart that you could share that that might be helpful to people listening? I guess maybe the thing that comes to mind for me is that for so many years, so many decades in youth ministry world, we were focusing on a variety of 
like skills that youth workers needed to have in order to be effective. And some of those are kind of cliches or stereotypes, you know, that you need to be the kind of great upfront rah-rah type person, which might include good communication skills. Uh, you know, the classic thought was that you had to be musically inclined, right? You have to be in a sense, and this is kind of a negative way of saying it, but in a sense, you had to be a really good party planner, right? You had to know how to plan programs, host them, be a good upfront MC, um, that kind of stuff, as well as be the classic term was be a kid magnet, right? Be somebody who was kind of a Pied Piper, relationally gifted with teenagers. Now, None of those are bad skills to have. Those are great skills to have. But those worked, kind of worked, in a different era of American culture, a different era of youth culture, when kind of refining some of those skills and then copying what other churches produced some kind of results. I don't know if they were really transformative stuff in the lives of teenagers, but at least it produced attendance, right? And I just don't think that's true anymore. Again, those are good skills to have. They're just not the most important. And what I've come to see is that the most important skill sets for youth workers these days, I I think there's two that are more important than anything else. Um, Sorry, there's a very loud plane flying over my house at the moment. Um, and so the two that I think uh, are most critical, and, and I would, I would, I'm not including having a thriving relationship with Jesus. I'll just say that's a given. But the two skill sets are the ability to lead collaborative discernment, and a commitment to and an ability to to build a contextualized ministry. Now, let me briefly unpack both of those and ask any questions you might have for, for the discernment piece. It's become really clear to me that when I interact with youth workers, and you know, I have this fairly intimate long-term interaction with lots of street-level youth workers these days because of our year-long coaching program. We've had 350 graduates of that, and so I end up pretty pretty embedded in these people's lives for a period of time, not just the year, but beyond that. And what I've come to see is that If you get really creative people in a room and brainstorm great youth ministry programs, ideas, teaching, whatever, that's good. And that can lead you to a good ministry, but it won't lead you to your best ministry. Your best ministry is always going to be tapping into, discovering and tapping into the dreams that God has for your ministry. And then that requires spiritual discernment. Right? So God is already actively at work, and we're invited to join in. So the question is, where's God moving, and what's God calling us to do in our in our context? And I, I believe that the best youth workers figure out how to develop a team who can collaboratively discern what the leading of the Holy Spirit is. And that has implications for programs and uh, teaching series and all kinds of stuff. Then the second half is of that is that contextualization part. I've, I've come to the point where I regularly say, everywhere I go in the world, the best youth ministries are weird. They have a high level of self-awareness about their uniqueness, and they celebrate that uniqueness. So the days of kind of copying other youth ministries 
just doesn't work anymore. And you can maybe borrow and modify ideas. We can share best practices, but your best ministry expression is going to be one that deeply understands your unique context and is responsive to that. Oh, that's, that's solid. That is so good. This, I hope, is a freeing idea for the youth workers who are listening to this, that God has placed you there. And so a critical part of the uniqueness of your ministry is you. And uh, and so this idea would be stop trying to be some other youth worker or some other youth ministry that you deem successful in some way and instead try to lean into what's unique about the kids that God has already placed in my midst, what's unique about me and my gifting and my experiences and my life, what's unique about this church, what's unique about this community and how can we discover our uniqueness and lean into that? That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. I think a lot of people need to hear that. Uh, and if you don't think you need to hear that, that's probably a good sign you really need to hear that. Uh, so that, that's so good. Our time is almost up. I wanted to ask you what's uh, coming down the pipeline for uh, with Youth Cartel? Uh, any books coming out you want to give us a heads up on? Well, there's always books coming out. We've got a couple things coming out uh, this fall that um, I think are just going to be great resources. I've got a student prayer book that I think is going to be really unique and cool. It's kind of like a book of common prayer for teenagers and a great new book from Brock Morgan. In January, we've got, I think, a very important book coming out. It, the working title right now is Four Views on Pastoring LGBTQ Teenagers. So it's a prag. It's not a theology book arguing what does the Bible say. It's a pragmatic book about how can we do a better job of pastoring kids with same-sex attraction and and how can we create uh, spaces in our ministry, whatever our theology is, how can we create places that are more uh, welcoming? So yeah, I'm, uh, there's always good stuff there. I, I think though the thing I'm probably the most excited about is our coaching program. It continues to grow. I've never been a part of something where I've seen so much transformation in the lives of youth workers. And I'd say of our 350 grads, probably 340 of them would say it's the best kind of training and development they've ever been a part of. Marco, if people want to follow you on Twitter or email you or stalk you, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so the youth cartel is pretty obviously the youthcartel.com. That's easy to find. Um, my blog is whyismarco.com, W H Y I S M A R K O. Uh, I've been a really bad blogger in the last six months, so maybe by the time this podcast releases, I'll kind of kick it back into gear. And I'm easy to find if you just look for my name on all the other social media platforms. Instagram, I think, is why is Marco, and Twitter is Marco's Beard. That's yep. the unique one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really hope to have you on again soon. Absolutely. So like we mentioned before, hopefully you had your pen and paper out because we know that there are some really good nuggets so good. dropped mm-hmm. all throughout there. Yeah. I know I have my own favorite points or themes that he made throughout that, but what, what stood out for you guys? Yeah, I love how he talked about how good ministries are weird and celebrated. Yes. Like, don't we try to be sleek uh, and sexy all the time? You yeah. know, we, we kind of yeah. be like a... Like a youth group that's like Stephen Furtick, you know what I mean? Mm. Just stand up on stage, muscular and sleek. But some of us are just kind of awkward and right. strange. But 
we need to celebrate that. Right. We, don't, we don't all need to yeah. be the same cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we believe that the church, capital C, is this multifaceted organism, I believe every youth group has its own wonderful thing to contribute to the whole body, yeah. uh, the Church of America. So instead of us trying to be like the top dogs in our mind, like we got to figure out why we exist and what we can do in our area. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Sometimes I say that... Uh, my group is the island of misfit toys. Hmm. Uh, and I say it lovingly, you know, like I'm proud right. of that. But I always felt a little, it feels weird because I felt like almost rebellious saying it. And what Marco's saying is, no, 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 that, that's actually a healthy thing. That's good. Brace you it. should, you should yeah. have that. Uh, the other thing, and I'm guessing, John, that this is on your uh, radar about what he uh-huh. said. Uh, he, he mentioned the two important things. Uh, that a good youth ministry needs. Uh, and he, he just mentioned the, the, the spiritual discernment, mm-hmm. uh, which I just thought was a really neat, like he, he basically said, we can have this meeting where we say, hey, what would we like to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, or we can have this like leader that comes in and says, no, guys, uh, this is what God is calling us to do. But to actually have some combination about how as a team we are spiritually discerning mm-hmm. what our group is called to do and be. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm not so sure I hear about that talked about so much. Well, his group his phrase, discernment. Yeah. yeah, his phrase was collaborative. Collaborative discernment. discernment yes. Right. So how can we of the spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to multiple voices: the people in the congregation, yep. as well as God, as well as like paying attention to our resources, and following on top of that. Every community is going to have a different calling or responsibility yes. given to them for, by God, mm-hmm. and a different congregation, of different personalities. And so for me personally, it really resonated when he said that youth ministry has to be contextual, mm-hmm. yeah. but not mm-hmm. just down to region, like the Northeast or Southeast or Midwest, but... Right. To the church, right? Your youth ministry needs to be unique compared to the one mm-hmm. two, three miles away, because you have a different group of people. And I actually used to make fun a little bit of the. Um, I I used to make fun a little bit of how some churches have these, like mental boundaries is what I called them about how like, it's not like you just put a circle like around your church and that's the area that the church tends to reach. Yeah. Um, like when I, I lived on an island for a while and it was pretty obvious what area we were called to reach, you know, sure. it's kind of nice. I was like, oh, you get to the water, stop, <laughs> you know, it's so much easier. Good job. But, but like, uh, you know, there's, there's a church down the street that it's kind of interesting. It's on the edge of what would be the area that it reaches. Like it Mm. doesn't reach any south of where it is. Mm. Now, I used to make fun of that idea, but the interesting thing is that there there is a positive possibility there, mm-hmm. that the discernment was that we are actually called to reach north and east of here or something like that. Sure. So I, I, I felt convicted that I've sort of been kind of poking something that doesn't need to be poked. There is a positive yeah. um, uh, uh, scenario there. So mm-hmm. anyway, that was me. He also brought up the very powerful point that um, being a good party planner, or MC, or kid magnet, um, these things produce attendance, but not transformation in the youth. Mm-hmm. 
that's a topic we could go for a whole hour on. But absolutely, what do we do in a culture where we are evaluated by attendance, but the goal is transforming the kids' lives? Yeah. Right. It's it's that unspoken pressure where, as much as we want to say numbers don't matter, there mm-hmm. is it, it matters to someone somewhere. Unfortunately, yep. yep. But. Uh, the impetus should always be discipleship, yep. right? We know that, and we know that that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. But it's just a question of how that breaks down in our ministries. Mm-hmm. Do we evaluate, right. or I'm sorry, do we value that uh, when, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, if we're living and dying by numbers, then we're not going to live and die by our disciples made. And right. I think that's what he was getting at, yeah. is that we can't just entertain and, and just have the glitz and glam. I, mm. I want to encourage people listening that... Uh, don't write this off as, oh, my church, like, oh, if I go to my church and say, listen, we're not going to worry about numbers anymore. They're just not going to hear it. Listen, there's, <laughs> I almost want to say, maybe what you need to say is I don't have the uh, skill and creativity to approach my church leadership about this. Like, look in the mirror on this one, because I think if you can, I think you can get leadership excited about, listen, we've decided we're not going to be any bigger than what we can effectively minister to. So therefore, what we've decided is we're actually going to get a little bit smaller and make sure our leadership, I mean, I'm almost getting excited saying this, like, mm. you know, we're going to make sure that our leadership is uber equipped to, to reach students and help lead to, to transformation, to life change. Right. And so, and then I think growth happens, uh, but you know, we just want everyone to know you're going to have some mad parents. People that probably even helped get you hired might not be happy because they feel like, well, our kid doesn't want to come to youth group anymore. And you want to be like, well, that's newsflash. They never wanted to come to youth group. Uh, (laughs) But I I think that, I I don't know, I I just, I kind of see that as a big thing that we have to look in the mirror as opposed to blaming, oh, church leadership won't be happy about this concept. Uh, No, no, no. You know what? If you actually are able to talk, intelligently about this, it's amazing what directions you can go in. Imagine if we were equally concerned about the kid not here yet, as we are about the kids here and kind of, you know, keeping, keeping them happy. Like what if we really had our focus on the community Mm -hmm. and we really would strive to make our youth group, the representation of the demographic of our area, you know, whether you're going off of ethnicity, grade or whatnot, Mm -hmm. like what if it, what if we focus more on the community and the community needs there and how we yeah. can meet that? Like these are the kind of things that they only happen if you're starting to ask tough questions of your own ministry. If you're thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and not doing uh, the the copy paste youth group that you can see. Yeah, I think um, I think you you called it copycat ministry. Yes, it's just I think there just mm-hmm. needs to we need to abolish it. Uh, there's yeah. just, I mean, actually maybe, maybe another way to put this is, um, I've copied many people, but I don't copy one ministry and then just try to, right. you know, no, no, no. I want to take uh, stuff from North point that actually works in my context, but guess what? Sure. A friend of mine, and I joked about this. Uh, I don't think I would ever get hired at North point. I don't know how to do youth ministry there. I have mm-hmm. no idea how to do it there, right. but I'd copy some of their stuff that does work in my context and, and use it. Uh, I, I, I think that we need to do more copying in that sense, but we need to stop just taking one church's model and, and trying it in the other. In the same way of, uh, if you change jobs, you can't just take what you did 
right? It and, doesn't and work. Bring it to a new one. So one of my favorite phrases that I used to tell some of my youth volunteers and leaders is, <laughs> in youth ministry, two plus two equals apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even numerical at the end. Like you can even try to do the same exact event mm-hmm. one year later with all the same variables and you will have a completely different turnout. Either it will be a success or a failure yeah. by some people's eyes. Mm-hmm. So how do you adapt? How do you roll with it? I feel like that's a that's a theme that needs to keep coming up. It, it, actually, and I'll even plug, we said this earlier about Mark DeVries' interview, which is in a few more weeks mm-hmm. that's coming out. He has a brilliant insight about incentives in youth ministry, mm. uh, the, the incentive systems in ministry, and just how we can get caught into... Um, it's weird. If I said, oh, we got to stop worrying about the attendance, I honestly feel like 99% of youth directors in the world go, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. like everyone said, it's just, it's just like saying we need more Jesus. And everyone's like, yeah, I think that's, that's a great idea. Uh, but when we actually stop and look at what we've done, we suddenly realize, oh, I was worrying about attendance way more than I thought. Mm. I didn't even realize that I was, because it's like saying you need to eat your vegetables. No kidding. But then you look back and realize I haven't had a vegetable in 12 years. Is It's a problem. <laughs> Same sort of thing with uh, youth ministry. So that's just a plug for right. about like, I don't know, a week, a month or two with Mark DeVries. So you, the listener, if you have any thoughts or ideas that really stood out to you this time, we encourage you to go to J3 Youth Men on Twitter. At, at, at J3, at J3, J3 Youth, Men. Youth Men. I made m- You kids and your time. Twitters. But we also have a website, j3youthministry.com. You can contact us there. But otherwise, let's head on out. Well, I got one question before we oh, do. Uh-uh. We've reached the end of episode 10. Uh-oh. What's next? Great question. Episode 11, right? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, actually, that yeah, is what that, that is the it. answer. That is the next that's, yeah. answer. That's right. man, so, that was a great question with a terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, so much build go. up for episode 11. So, there 11. will be an 11. Stay tuned for when that is released. Unless you're listening to this after the fact and it's already there, just hit next. Yeah. But other than that, another episode coming. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel. And, Tell your uh, friends. Yes. They even, need this. Even the ones that don't do youth ministry, I think, yeah. should still listen to Evangelize it. Evangelize right? them. I think this is for everyone. Recruitment for volunteers for your there ministry. There we go. Ooh, that's a good stuff. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell us how you're using this. If you're having your volunteers do it, we'd love to know. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say after 10 episodes, I am still Jonathan Hobbs. I am Johnny Radcliffe. <laughs> and I'm John Chafee. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast.